from the Portland Art Museum as part of the Cyclopedia, Cyclostem, um, 
exhibit here, and we're having technical difficulties. So, I hope we're live. If somebody could, like, Facebook me or send us a tweet, send us a tweet and let us know if you can hear us. That would be amazing. Um, let me sign out of this. Okay, so here we are. We're in the Portland Art Museum. It's a little bit of an unusual broadcasting space. It is. It's kind of loud, and we are super happy to be here. Um, beautiful day outside, and we are going to be broadcasting for the next two hours, uh, talking to people about why they're here, and um, we're good. Oh, good. We're getting something from someone saying that they can actually hear us, which is nice. <laughs> Yay! Thank you, person who just tweeted. Who was that? Oh, thank you, Adnan. If you're listening, yay! All right. Well, he understands the the joys of live radio. Um, So, here we are, and should we talk about cyclism a little bit? I think we should. We're in the presence of a beautiful, sleepy bicycle, which is a local bicycle maker made by a lovely lady. And um, there's some great bicycle around of speakers downstairs, and that is part of the Cyclopedia exhibit. And today's special event is put on by a special friend. Yes, and we just saw Sarai. Sarai came over and said hello. Um, Sarai is the founder of Cyclosem, and this event today is part of this Cyclosem movement, and they're calling it a mini summit, the Portland Mini Cyclosem Summit. Um, so we're going to be talking, hearing from awesome local ladies involved in the bike culture and the bicycle world who are um, here to talk about the past, present, and future of cycling. And now we're looking at the Cyclefem website um, with some really awesome photos. So apparently um, every year, I think it's going into its third year, I believe so. Third year on Mother's Day. I know it was Mother's Day last year. Um, here, I'll read the mission. Cyclefem is a global women's cycling day created to honor the past and the emancipation of our grandmothers and great-grandmothers for the freedom to choose and the chance to wear pants. Celebrate the present and the riders who keep it rolling, bringing women's racing to the forefront pushing the limits, breaking down barriers, and sharing the love of the bike with everyone along the way. To empower the future of women in cycling and the opportunity for positive social change, encourage women to ride, and they will change the world. That's a lot about what we're talking about today at the museum. There's, um, we're here live in the three panels throughout the day, looking at the past, present, and future of work with cycling. And I know we saw um, April Streeter earlier, and she's got just the best outfit on. Yes. It's a historical representation of what women wore in the past, and I don't know how they dared to get themselves on a bicycle in her outfit. I think her knees are locked together inside her skirt. She's just got the most darling boots, but I don't know how practical they are. It's her 1800s Victorian riding outfit, complete with blue button-up fishnet stockings, which are adorable. But, yes, very hard to ride in. And And you have on some bicycle pants. I do. I'm wearing my bicycle pants. 
um, a little bit easier to get over your frame in than the right. skirt. Did you ride here? I did. Mm-hmm. Heels and everything. How was that? Bloody. It's yeah. hot in Portland today. It's humid. Thank God. It's hot. <laughs> it's too much. I love it. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> okay, so um, we are. Where is the studio? Oh, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> Not really. Okay, we just don't, I just. Okay, so we're just we're making it work. We're doing a good job, but we um. We're. Yes, going back and forth between computers and laptops and microphones, but everything appears to be running famously. Um, so, what brought you here? Well, you brought me here. <laughs> but aside from that, I probably would have come on my own. Were you waiting to say that? <laughs> you brought me here, Angel. You bring me many places. Um, well, and that's kind of is something that you know is going to be great to talk to ladies about what brought you to your bike. What's your story? What's your bike story? I know on my ride over here, I was thinking a lot about that. Um, because even though this is cycle time and we're celebrating our women, it was my dad who brought me to my bike. Me too. Um, and I, I think one of my most distinct memories, though, and I think it's oh so telling, is we're riding along. We used to pedal down the street. and We used to watch the tour together every year. Uh-huh. And I remember one year I asked him, I said, Daddy, who's a famous lady cyclist? And he kind of looks at me. And he goes, and unless it's Jeannie Longo, nobody counts. And, you know, that's, that was the sad state of women's cycling. We've made a ton of progress. Right. Um, but when it comes to some of those areas, I think at the 245 panel, they're talking about the future. That's really one of the big things that I think people are going to talk about is um, that past is, you know, only a little bit speckled with women cyclists, and how do we make it a future that's full of them? Yes, and all three of the, the panels are – Full of change makers is well. Let's just go down the lineup. So it's 12:30 now, and the panels are broken into past, present, and future. So right now, the the group that's speaking is the past group, and um, April Streeter is presenting on what we wore. Is the name of her presentation. Um, Eileen Crotty is the name of her presentation. Is shifting to bike. Ann Lee is from the Community Cycling Center. Katie Proctor is talking about critical mass. And Janice McDonald is talking about what women want. Um, so, And I will say, if you are out there listening in Radio Land and you want to head down to the Portland Art Museum, it's please. a full house, but we can get you in. Please come. We would love to talk to you. We have a, a, a beautiful table set up here. We want to chat with you about your bicycle dreams and your plans for 2013 and everything that you love about riding bikes. April, what are your bike dreams? For 2013 or just in general? Both. So, mm. Break them down. Break right. down your dreams. Break, break it down. Let's see. So this year I really, I said that I wanted to ride a century and I, you know, I'm not, I haven't even, I haven't picked one. I haven't, um, I'm not really training enough for it, mm-hmm. but. Uh, well, you're only halfway through. Right? It's the sixth month, not yet the seventh. And I think that there's one in Bend that I could squeeze into. Like, I, I want it to be, a, I guess, a formal event. I don't want to just go on a 100-mile ride. I want it to be 
I wanted it to kind of be either charity-based or supported or yeah, I just want the free ugly T-shirt. I was going to throw the T-shirt at the end. <laughs> who was I? I was reading a great article the other day about how do you motivate yourself when you're in a bad, you know, a bad run or a bad ride and lady was saying, well, all my competitors have passed me, so I had to make a new goal about adjusting your goals. And she said, I just wanted that bad T-shirt. <laughs> so if that bad T-shirt is going to get you past mile 50 and onto the 100, I say go for it. So, wait, that's, yeah, that's great. And, and it's, it's also important to stay flexible, right? <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. Here comes our lovely organizer, Stephanie Parrish, who put this whole event together. She's coming to say hi. Maybe we can steal her. Stephanie, do you want to say hi? Sure. Hi. Hi. Hello, Radio World. Hello, Radio World. What's going on downstairs? So April Streeter, the amazing April Streeter, is um, giving an overview of fashion and cycling. It's really really describing her outfit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All the bloomers and the skirt lengths. Like, you know, it was very, very risque to even, like, show your covered ankles. Back in the uh, uh, oh goodness, the phone is making noise. <laughs> the phone says, "I want to show my ankles." <laughs> right. Yikes. Yeah. So she's showing, you know, sort of some key uh, women who really push the boundaries of what women are on my soul. Nice. Far as her research has shown, there's you know, some yoga balls walking in. That is bike fitting, I bet. Bike fit. Okay. That is like, well, maybe. I don't know. I love seeing yoga balls in the museum now. That's pretty cool. I have never had a yoga ball involved in my bike fit. I don't know about either of you. No, I haven't. No. So we should definitely hit up the 245 demonstration right. about how to use a yoga ball for a bike fit. You know, I've actually never had a bike fit. Really? Mm. I haven't either. Yeah. Your lady parts would love it. <laughs> right. It's true. That's what they say. That's, that's, that's Yeah. There's no magic number for the lady parts and the bike fit, right? It's really specific to to all of us and our bicycles and the type of riding we do. And right. um, I just can't get myself to pay hundreds of dollars for someone to adjust my feet. So my boyfriend does. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. Well, it's true, and he loves it. So, um well, that's one of my bike goals for 2013 is less man adjustments to my bike. Oh, this morning, <laughs> this morning I changed my brake pads all by myself. Good nice. job. You know, nice. um, I think that's maybe the first time I haven't called somebody with a dick to help change my brake pads. <laughs> okay. I usually get them started and then I get stuck and I'm like, is this really right? This seems so simple. Is it really, really right? Mm-hmm. So taking a lady-friendly bike mechanic course. It's one of my 2013 goals. Gracie's Wrench. Yeah. And you need to go. Gracie. Is Tori going to be here today? Yes. Do, I think, um, future? Yeah. Gracie? No. Is she not there? She's not there. I thought she was. Well, anyways, Tori Bortman has classes um, at Upper Echelon Fitness, uh, who I think one of the, Upper Echelon is going to be here? They're not, no. but I think one of the, um, I think Jennifer Cremate's been by if we call her out over the radio. So maybe we can be here and start yeah, I think she was in my Twitter this morning. I'm getting all of my media channels confused. Um, but anyways, Tori Bortman is wonderful. She offers classes, and she's 
a great teacher. Corey and I went on a mountain bike ride a couple, maybe like a month ago now, where we had to have come to Jesus talk because we thought, I'm going to make a visual reference right now, but I'm going to describe it to all of you. My hands are really far apart. We thought we thought we were like this, hands really close together, but actually our riding skills were like this. <laughs> and that was me who had to own up to like, oh, no, I'm not that good. But, like, I can't do what you can do. And she's like, okay, so I'm going to teach you. So Tori's awesome. She she took it as a day to um, work through some. To mentor you. To mentor me and to, to work through some curriculum that she was working on for, a um, like, a a writing weekend art. Oh, so very nice. So yeah, Troy. And uh, Emory wanted to be here. We know we asked her because obviously Gracie Drench is key. He mm-hmm. is. Yeah, she's great. Well, Stephanie, how do you use your bike? How do I use my bike? Well, so about 10 years ago, I'm like sort of a fair weather cyclist. I happened. And 10 years ago, when the townie came out, you remember the townie? Mm-hmm. And I was so excited by that because it was like a ride. It had your feet on the ground. It was like you sit back. You're upright. You're upright. Mm-hmm. And you kind of sit back, and it's really comfortable. Mm-hmm. It was the first bike that I tried in a long time. I had just gotten mountain bikes and things, and I, but I hadn't really gotten I wasn't a mountain biker. Right. And it was really uncomfortable. And I think it was, I just was like, being fattish. Like, oh, I should get a mountain bike. That's what everybody rides. And I decided that I just really wanted a bike that I could ride around town. Mm-hmm. The farmer's market and mm-hmm. like, go out to dinner and, you know, like, take advantage of it. I was mm-hmm. in a very, like, a big park out of my front door. I wanted mm-hmm. to be able to use that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a townie and started, like, riding it because it was really comfortable. Mm-hmm. And when we moved here, that was in St. Louis. So the Midwest, it was really flat. But three C's, three C's. Mm-hmm. And that was great for flat. Mm-hmm. We got here and it didn't work. Like, you know what? There are more tools here, and so um, I inherited my mother-in-law her like early '80s Schmidt, and it's a Mitsubishi, so it has like a nice step through mm-hmm. uh, line here behind us. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband and I went to Bellicol and talked to this guy there about like getting it updated. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's like a 21st century ride for like my style and make more speeds and so now I'm riding this vintage bike with like new components. Um, it's intro plug, it has like eight speed and it's a nice foot saddle and like the handlebars are like well positioned. Um, I just love it. It's like I have about six months and I just, you know, I ride around town, I go to the farmer's market. I mean, I'm not a bike commuter yet, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I'm riding my bike at least three times a week. And just, uh, That's great. Yeah. For me, it's just, you know, like a fun way for my husband and I to hang out and mm-hmm. get out of the car. And he's a bike commuter, so, you know, it's sort of... Look up to and I hope that I'll, I don't know. It'll take some taking courage, not courage, right word, but it's it's a lot to go. I just haven't taken that step. And it's a lot to work on. It's a, I I finally working in a place of doing my my day job. We finally finally have a place where I have a shower. Yeah. And that's yeah, a that's big a deal, deal to to get work, and then you have to factor in. It, it first of all it increases your work day. Yeah. By a couple right. hours, yeah, to have to to do all of that, um, 
Yeah. But it's great. But it is a lot to it's a lot to learn how to do and to carry all your stuff and what do you want to wear and do you keep the, the you know your shampoo at work and it's just it's just a lot. It's an added like element. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been thinking in this recent weather heat that we're having. You know, how do we not sweat so much in our bikes? Because here I look all cute, my lips is sweating <laughs> off in 90 degree humidity. And I think that's a that's a major obstacle for how do you stay cute yeah. on your bike? Because I'm not going to compromise that. Right. I love being cute. Right. And I know there's all kinds of like fabrics and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm wearing a Sheila Moon little black bike dress. Very cute. Very cute. Uh, thank you. Cute and practical. Sheila has great. Sheila's um. She's an Oregon native that is now in San Francisco. Um, and she does a lot of of super practical. I think. Exercisey and casual riding mm-hmm. clothes that are feminine and right and sporty. Right. And then the opposite, there's the heat, but then there's the rain. Yes. Right. Especially <laughs> the other challenges. Right. Right. Well, like freezing and slick mm-hmm. and wet. Dangerous. Plus sweaty. Well, and I think your your sounds like your bike journey is not yet over by any means. But no, no, no. What no. have you learned just about yourself, even as you know, these last year, eighteen months? Um, what have I learned about myself? I have learned that I like leisurely riding. Like I'm not ever, I'm not competitive. I'm not. Um, I just I want to go at my own pace, my own speed. And I think like your cycling style like mm-hmm. helps you understand through your personality is, right? And sure. Although probably for some people like who are doing like cyclocross and racing and like pushing down and like, pushing themselves. I just know I would never do that. It's not a very situation. So from the get go you kinda knew this was Yeah. I just wanted to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be like uh like it. Like pretty simple. It's just freedom and make sure it pushes you closer to your environment. Mm-hmm. Like just, just core, like brainstem stuff. Like, why do we all like have to ride a bike mostly? I mean, not everybody does, but it'll be interesting to, 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 to find out. Like, people learn to ride a bike. I I, I love that. If you're probably like up there, right? Across cultures, across. Like in developing countries, and yeah, that would be a great question to find out. Who do a whole show based on that question? Who learns to ride a bike? Mm-hmm. At what age? The context, you know, was it transportation? Was it recreational? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who got you on your bike? Who got you on your bike? Who taught you how to ride your bike? Um, what was that story? Those stories are always great, and usually have involved some amount of pain and humility, but. But I was going to say, um, before, I, I love, no matter if you're a racer or a promoter or a coach or a, um, a spinner or a farmer's market rider, what bonds us all is that first time that dad or mom let go of the seat mm-hmm. and that feeling of freedom. And that sense of joy we hope, hopefully have in all of our riding right. all the time, whether you're a racer or a competitive or not, um, but that, that sense of freedom and joy um, is it's so simple and beautiful to me, and, and mm-hmm. that's what I come back to. 
I think that's probably my favorite feeling on my bike is realizing that my body got me from point A to point B. Right. You know. Yeah. And it's, it's usually that moment where I'm like flying past cars because they're in traffic. I'm not. Right. You know, going and I realize I'm pushing my bike forward. We're we're going forward on my own accord. Mm-hmm. That's really liberating, and I think that's um, you know, it's definitely transcended into other areas of my life as well, which is what's so empowering for women on bicycles. Yeah. When Michael Embacher was here, um, he's the collector of the bicycles okay. in the exhibition, and he's uh, based in Vienna. And he gave a talk uh, the weekend of the, ex- the exhibition open and on our website, the Nicole Art Museum website, if people want to um, go check it out. But she had a great quote. He said, um, you know, a developed country is not a place where, like, you know, the, the, under, the underprivileged, you know, have cars. It's where, like, rich people and the privileged, you know, are riding bikes. And I was like, that is a really, really, like, kind of interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah. Where, you know, you could like, oh, on about what you can do adjustments to your bike. The triathlon is much more lenient um, and allows for a lot more kind of creativity and exploration. And the paint job on this thing, it just it took Star Wars and Star Trek and then like some weird cartoonish, uh, goopy, like kind of an animated booger is really the front of it. Nice. <laughs> the front. I love it. Uh, and then there's the is it lady. green? It's every color under the sun. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you make your way to the Cyclopedia exhibit, definitely check it out. Okay. I'll have to go see the. I haven't seen the exhibit yet, I, I, but I love the coffee table book. I've seen the book. Did you see that way? Well, I know. I, I'm going to see it after. That's what we're going to have Annie do. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll. I'm going to run down and see what's happening in that room. It was yeah. nice speaking Thank with you. you Thank you for saying hello. It's the radio world. Podcast radio. Come by and give us an update at the Come On By Museum. Oh, yes. Everybody, come on down to the museum today. Yes. Okay. So Annie, lovely Annie, is going to go into the exhibition encyclopedia and see if she can round up some people. And I'm going to sit here and talk to you guys. And we are live, Blog Talk Radio, and this is April Lemley. It is June 29th, 2013. We are broadcasting live from the Portland Art Museum. I've said that a few times. Dealing with a little bit of technical difficulties, you guys, I have to say. Um, I think it's going good, but... I am not used to this computer I'm using because the computer I had um, 
had a little problem. So, anyways, I'm trying to get back to the dashboard. Here we are. Okay. So, while we wait for Annie to bring in a guest, I'm going to play a song. I'll try to play a song for you. Here we go. This is Holy Coast, The Beach is the name of the song. Okay, everybody, that was Holy Ghost. The song is called The Beach, which was a um, a free download that I got. And I like that song. It is it is beachy outside today. It's beautiful. And um, we don't have any callers. If anybody wants to call in, I can give you the guest call-in number. Um the guest call-in number is 718-664-9249. The Wi-Fi connection here is pretty good. I can try to get you on the line. So I should tell you that I am going to... I'm very excited. At 2.45, I am going to be part of the last panel who speaks... Or we're all speaking about the future of cycling in... Portland, and I was invited to be a part of the the future of Portland, I guess partially because I just got here, but I was so honored and excited that um, when April Streeter asked me to, would I 
pleased to be a part of this event. I was really um, so surprised and tickled by it because bicycles are a huge reason uh, why I ended up in Portland. And um, I think I said to her, I feel like it's my coming out party, like I'm a de- having a debutante ball, um, which anyways, uh, is neither here nor there. But I'm so happy to be here. And what an awesome group of women who are presenting today. Let's see who else we can chat up. So Natalie Ramblin is um, behind Sweet Pea Bikes, and she's going to be talking about the present. She's in the, the middle panel. Um, who else is at the in the middle panel? Oh, Kara Minahan of Bike Love, and Janet Forsyth, Ride Like a Girl, Barb Glover, Cargo and Utility Biking, and Stephanie Edmond is going to be talking about bike fit. Uh, so let me see. There's one, two, three, four, five, there's 15 really amazing women here today who are going to take place in this event and will be speaking. And we're hoping we can get them to come upstairs and chat with us. So we're broadcasting from a different place. The, the event where the panelists are actually down in the basement, and we can't broadcast from the basement. So. Anyways, I digress. I'm trying to fill time while Annie goes to find people um, for us to chat with. Let me see if I have another song I can play. I do have some sound effects. Busy working. Here we are, busy working. So when we were putting together the first day, I was thinking, what do we want to talk to people about? And like, what is... How did we all get invited to participate in this And um, some of the questions I want to hear from people are, have you always ridden a bike? What brought you to cycling? Do you have a favorite ride that you took recently that you'd like to share? And then more specific questions on, oh, is Annie coming? Where is she? Oh, I thought that was her. Oh, you guys can't see me. She's going to try to find guests to be on the show. Okay, so I am going to queue up another song kind of in a corner here. Nobody can see me. We have to use Annie to go find people to be to talk on the live show. So while we wait for her, I will play another song. Okay. So this is another summer song. Here you go. Summertime by the Zombies.
and I just never got a car. And I moved to Portland to go to university, and I found out that there was a shuttle that would get you from downtown to the university for free, and I was like, so um, I didn't have to have a car. But then I found out that the shuttle would like drop you off, and then it would stop running, and it'd be stuck downtown. So I had to bring my bike down. Um, and after four years, I realized how awesome it was to bike in Portland. And so I just wrote my thesis about biking. So I kind of got myself into biking by throwing myself into the culture and a technical break so that I could graduate. <laughs> <laughs> So what was your thesis? It was bicycle subculture Portland. And then so I focused in on some six 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 axes of evil versus polo and um bombs. Nice. I'm sure your thesis was a million pages, which you probably like copied at King of the Midnight Day before it was due, because that's how I did mine. Um but if you could sum it up in, you know, a couple sentences of what if you learned. I it was a sociology and anthropology focused thesis. So um, what I focused on was <laughs> and how Portland by culture kind of turned the world upside down on its head and embraced the unusual. Um, I focused on the DIY side of it and how most of the clubs, at least at the time, were largely about modifications of bicycles mm -hmm. and creating their own culture. So not just going to a store and buying a pre-made pole bike, but trying things all night long, little things, creating. Can you buy a pole bike at a store? We can, actually, now. Uh, there's a gentleman wow. in the Midwest who's trying to sell pole bikes. Money on my bike now is when I get a flat. 
But luckily, I had a fixed my own flat. <laughs> right. So it's as expensive as I want it to be, I guess, when I get a flat tire. So I want to get the fancy tubes or pay for somebody else to do it. That's not nice. um, liberating experience. You know, sure. Anyways, um, I don't know if you know this, but today is Saturday. Uh, it is the 29th of June. It is the last day of Pelopalooza, which means it's Multnomah County Bike Fair Day, or MCBF. Right. And I was just downstairs at Cyclothem for a talk, and Aileen Crotty talked about women in bicycling in Portland and women um, starting bike culture in Portland, um, largely having a hand in bike culture in Portland. Well, she is one of the people who got the moment with anybody here going. Ah, okay. To honor her and bike culture in Portland, I encourage everybody to um, take this podcast with them. <laughs> yeah. Down to the moment with anybody there right now. Uh, starts at 2 o'clock, so in 45 minutes. Thank you. 
the, the date of the collection. There's a lot of classic racing bikes. There's a lot of, um, you know, very sort of current R&B cutting edge like in there. Um, and, you know, it's something more, we're getting loud. It's museum time, we're getting loud. Yeah. Um, I think seeing that is more a result of kind of the hotel signs of what was happening in the 70s and the 80s, and, you know, when a lot of the dates on these bikes are. And, you know, maybe, I mean, maybe that's a, a plus or minus, but you can't pinpoint what's an early bike, what's not. So you're saying you can't, correct? You think you can. Um, okay. I haven't been into the city yet, but we've already pointed that out. Uh, well, and maybe, you know, it's not a, a good thing or a bad thing, but thought sort of an era of bikes that some are pink and some are plastic and some are sterile, but that pushing women in bikes ahead is not holding us back. I don't know. Well, I have three bikes, and I, I, I like to say that I feel very different on all of them. They're all for a mountain bike, I have a touring bike that's really like my everyday bike, and then I have a cruiser that's a vintage twin that's uh, pre-speed. And most of my I like to wear a dress on and feel more girly and ride well, and I some of the rides that I do on my cruiser, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Mountain bikes, not so much, you know. But I think they're a little bit, it's a different kind of encounter, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, we want to feel empowered and being feminine wearing a dress. We also want to feel uh, strong and empowered when you're pushing your body. So, it's a hard balance to strike with that industry individually. I know um, every time I find myself picking a new frame, I really, I'm not drawn to, uh, what did I look at earlier? Earlier this year, I was in the market for a new road bike. And I think it was a Cannondale. And it was absolutely beautiful. And it was, you know, pink and kind of, I think there was even floral down the floor. Oh, no, I hate it. And I just, I don't feel rough and tough riding this. And so I walked to the last night. Hi. Oh, did you go downstairs? And under, kind of, We've become an impromptu museum guide. Yeah. <laughs> we're pointing out the bathroom and everyone because we're sitting right near the membership. Oh, this is a great way. A crash course in art museum volunteering. Um, you bring up a really good point, though, and I think this is a, something that I, I don't know. People who own bike shops listen to my show, um, and, and certainly like the big brands. I don't know if they're listening to these conversations, but I, I hate those graphics. I hate those mixes, current wire, flower, swirly thing that's trying to be edgy but feminine. I can't stand it. They get me away from it. I don't like it. I don't really want it. To, I don't want it to be pink. Like I've seen handlebar tape, and that's that's enough. Well, that's what I found is I have to kind of find my own balance between um, feeling feeling like a badass. I think so. Feeling like a badass on my bike, um, but making it very feminine and very me. Um, you know, what my balance I found is carrying on my commuting bike as a men's bike. It's, um, there's nothing really about it, but I ride it at 50 miles an hour in my heels. 
brand out with my balance, but it's one of the upon you, like the fluffy floral pork. It's not new. And I'm curious what the, the ladies are saying downstairs if we're in the minority, if we're in the majority of feeling that way. We're, we're definitely in the right city. We're in the right city, but if you're out there in Twitterland, in a different city, maybe you can throw us a throw us a tweet and see. I'm curious how other people feel. Yeah, I would love to hear from from other people. You can tweet into us, to either one of us. At uh, you can check out the Six On Bites Facebook page or the website. Um, so, what are your bike dreams for 2013? My bike dreams? Well, the taking a bike mechanic course was one of my dreams about six months ago. Oh, of course. I'd like to take a course. Well, I thought you were just talking about like a weekend work. Like, you know, I want to go. I haven't decided. Hi. You Downstairs. Downstairs and kind of like pretty corners to your left. Okay. It's like right there. We're so good at giving directions. We are very good at giving directions. We have all the signage and and we're talking to each other and we're putting your mask on before securing others. Head out to the exhibit. Breathe deeply. This is how you put your seatbelt on. Mm-hmm. Take no it off on the bicycle. Why are there no seatbelts on bicycles? Do you, in a crash, do you want to stay attached to your bicycle? Well, I mean, we all experience those clips in falls when you're still and you're tired and you're humbled by the. But I would not. still. Why do we not have seatbelts on bicycles? Well, I. But maybe that's a question. I have no answer for that. Hopefully, maybe we can get um, Natalie from Sweet Pea up here, and we can ask her we can why. Ask her. She doesn't I don't know what Natalie looks like. Do you be able to grab her if you? I met her. her husband and their adorable little daughter. Oh yes, I've seen her on Instagram. Inga is her name, right? Her yes. daughter. Um, well, thinking of crashes, I almost crashed yesterday wearing a bikini top, oh. which would have been a terrible road rash problem. Yes, it would have been awesome. Yeah. It, was, it wouldn't have been my fault though. It was the driver's fault. Uh, luckily, we we came close, said some delightful words to each other, and then went our separate ways. So you had a bikini top on. I have to ask you, were you wearing a helmet? Uh, of course, I was wearing a helmet. Okay. I had little I had little bike shorts on, a bikini top, a helmet, a bike bag. Okay. And then a Ford Mustang almost on top of my ass. Where were you? I was downtown. I was on Tenton Street, and he just did not feel like coming to a stop at that stop sign. Stop sign is not for him. So, mm. there we were. Yeah. It's so scary. It really is. It's, uh, it's, it's dangerous. It can be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we're rolling into we're in our second hour, our second hour, and the best second hour as well. So, at 1.30, we're um, having the present of the past, present, and future presentation. Mm-hmm. So, I think we're looking at what's, what's going on now in terms of the women's movement, what's going on now in terms of Bike building, looks like we're talking about bike fits as well, cargo and utility biking. And then at 2.45 April, you're going to be on. I know. I am. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to 
talk a little bit about the show and share some a couple of short stories of women who really inspired me during the, the first year of, of Chicks on Bikes Radio. Well, since we won't be able to be downstairs, we won't be recording live at 2.45, maybe you can give us a sneak peek about what you're going to Oh, yeah, sure. I'm going to share the two fabulous ladies of, uh, somebody's coming up to the table. Hi. 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 This is one of, another one of my recruits. Oh, another Megan. We have a recruit. So I won't, um, I'll, I'll tell that story later because we have a, a guest who, comes, who came to the table to talk Welcome to us. Welcome to Radio. Hi, Megan. Hi. Megan was the gal. We were commenting earlier on your yoga balls that you walked by with. So, maybe you want to introduce yourself? Tell us about who you are and why you're carrying yoga balls. Yeah. All right. So, my name is Megan Mosley. I'm a physical therapist, and I have a practice in Eugene, and I'm here as part of the cycle from the race. And I am doing a little talk on well, the ABCs and 1, 2, 3, the cycling injury-free. Nice. And so, the yoga balls are part of my interactive demonstration to look at how we're going to be creating balance around cycling. Okay. Wow. So how long have you been combining what you know in PT with bicycles and biking? I've been biking since I was about 12, and I have been um, actually involved with Cycle Oregon as their consultant and therapist for about six years. Okay. And, and then also just another event just around Eugene. What is Cycle Oregon? Cycle Oregon is that, If you don't know about Cycle Oregon, look at that. Yay. Are you on Cycle Oregon this year? I'm not. I'm not, but I have the cycle. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know each other. We just met. We just met. Okay. Over a bicycle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Cycle Oregon is about, this is their 26th year, I believe, and um, started by a man Dublin, Jonathan. Anyway, the whole idea is to get out and to see all of Oregon and support rural communities, and so they're not profit. And we are up to hello, Jen. Hi, Jen. I'm an office manager. Um, so, Jen, would you like to join us? No. I think I have some mistakes. So, so they said we're going to do some communities and providing support for football teams with common health help. You know, set up and carry bags for people, and then they get to get paid. But then we're going to also get shipped out by all the riders. I didn't realize that. I really didn't know that. Broken down, they make um, jerseys. They're out of Minneapolis. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. 
cute, uh, but I couldn't take time off of work. So there's that. That didn't good to plan. Maybe next year when I win the lottery, I'll be able to <laughs> take big bicycle trips. But sounds great. I would love to do it. So, so what brought you here? Oh well, you already told us that. Well, so thinking of you know these trips like Cycle Oregon and Rag Bride, what have people do you mostly work with in the practice? Are you working with recreational cyclists, with newbies, with well, expert pros? Well, so actually, I mean, I have a professional triathlete on my schedule right now, but mostly in my practice, in my clinic, we see it's not all cycling centric. So it's okay. everybody who you know sits at a desk and their back hurts, or they tripped on a hike and they strained their knee. So it's, it's okay. all very kind of um, comprehensive from the bottom of your foot to the top of your head, putting together, understanding how your body works with the system mm-hmm. and empowering people with that that information as well as some hands-on work and so they can move on and take care of themselves when they healthy. So that's the practice. But then my cycling stuff, when I'm on Cycle Oregon, I do the ride and then I come in and I work with the medical team. So the okay. ambulance guys that take care of the big stuff, but if somebody has a swollen knee, they can't really offer much more than ice. So so I come in to do some actual hands-on treatments and taking different kinds of techniques and okay. I'll some some stretches to kind of get them back on the road the next day. So, so what are the most common injuries you see on a ride like cycle or knee injuries? Mm-hmm. Um, and then back or neck. So the people that feel back strain and maybe some radiating pain or nothing mm-hmm. to their legs, same with their neck, neck pain, maybe some headaches, but some radiating symptoms into their arms and hands. Mm-hmm. So pretty classic, and so it's, it's tying together the physics of cycling and how you get everybody to be able to do that. Very forward, repetitive, one mm-hmm. position, one dimension mm-hmm. sport, and also bike fitting. So, and I do a little bit of education around that, but on Cycle Oregon um, and those kinds of events, there are people you know, bike galleries there, and they're great. So they're, they're super helpful. And so those things together which makes for a nice uh, combination of getting people back on the road. What do you enjoy most about Cycle Oregon? The people. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's just such a great group of people, and it's such a mix of elite cyclists to people who have done it for 26 years, and they're 75 years old, and they're doing the whole thing. It's really fun, and people are very um, friendly and genuine and want to learn and know about each other, very supportive. I mean, somebody goes up on the side of the road and everybody stops and checks in and, you know, it's, it's not a race with the ride. Right. So right. it's beautiful and it's just the staff of Cycle Oregon is fantastic and it's an unbelievable kind of organization to move essentially a city mm-hmm. from day to day to day. Sure. Yeah. And you mentioned you've been on your bike since you were 12. Yeah. What, what got you on your bike? Why have you stayed on a bike? Gosh, I, I guess just the freedom of being on the bike and just feeling the wind in your hair and being out and playing with friends. And, and then beginning, as I got a little older, to be able to explore, you know, mm-hmm. as far as in touring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even like on a 30-mile ride, you go off with a friend. And mm-hmm. so it just kind of grew, and I've done some traveling, riding, and um, I cycled through France Ooh. about five years ago. I, I, I summited Mount Ventoux on my 40th birthday. Ooh, that's a good 40th birthday. Yeah, it was a great day. So, yeah, so it's just a way to be able to get out and see the world. And if you're just so in touch with, you know, the environment and nature when you're out there, and, and it's um, always a conversation piece to be able to, you know, bump into people and side the road. Yeah. They were more alive on our bikes. We are. We are. So what are your bike goals for, we've been talking about our bike goals for the year. 
So you, you sum it in. Yeah, I'm for his birthday. What's next? What's next? Um, well, I am going to uh, ride Cycle Oregon weekend in two weeks. And then ride Idaho, which I'm very excited about. I haven't spent time there. And okay. that'll be a fun week long event like Cycle Oregon, only I don't have to work at the end of the day. So, <laughs> yeah. And kind of the one that I think is going to be the most challenging is the Portland Century. Which oh, we were just talking about it. Are you guys doing that? Oh, I don't know, but you need a century to sign up I need for. a century. I set my bike goal for this year to ride a century. Then you said it looks pretty steep. <laughs> it looks like there's, you know, you head out on a peak, and there's a middle peak, and then there's an end peak. So it's, it looks challenging. I've heard that it's a tough ride, and I don't know enough about that ride. They change every year, or that's the same route. Yeah, um, I don't know either. I was, there's, uh, I, well, I'm going to say it's more flat. I don't know. I would think it would be more flat. There was one in Bend that I was considering end of the summer. But I can't remember what it's called. There's so many events. Yeah. Well, if your summer events are great. If we can pick your brain, if you're prepping for an event like the Portland Century or Second Oregon, what, what's like a secret injury prevention tip that we probably don't know? Well, so this is... <laughs> or maybe the most obvious one that we forget. Yeah, maybe. Well, so there's, there's a couple things. So there's the idea of flexibility, and flexibility is important, but it only is like the first step. The flexibility is the opportunity to get your body into a position that is anatomically correct and most efficient. And then beyond that, you have to create the strength and endurance and control to be able to support your system in whatever activity you're choosing. So it's a combination of things. That's actually what I'm going to talk about today is like visualizing the alignment of how your body works and then what are the, the one, two, threes are like the three pieces that you need to put together to make that happen. The final piece is really integration because if you think about exercise is just a thing you do for a half an hour in the morning and then you go about your life and your sport and you don't get that integration piece, Mm-hmm. It doesn't really come together. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're doing exercise and stretching in a way that's thoughtful and kind of having a visualization of as we go through our day. It's like, oh, this is the same pattern of movement, and this is winding. So it's like putting that together actually creates success in the long run of injury prevention. So that's probably the biggest piece that I think people miss is the integration. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll let you get ready for your event. Thank you so much for sitting by. Yeah, thank you for stopping and chatting. Excellent. You guys Have a good yeah. summer. Enjoy yeah. all your rides. You guys out there, I'll stay at the country. Yes, yeah, okay, yeah. great. <laughs> I like that. That's a good idea. You should do the Portland Country. Okay, I might. <laughs> that makes for some good, it'd be some good blog fodder of how did I train for this hilly, hilly route. Yes, I, um, you know, I recently moved, and I moved to St. John's, and my commute now, which I haven't done yet, would be 15 miles, with a thousand feet of climbing at the end, and I don't have panniers, and I don't have a rack, and I, so it was okay for me to do that when it was shorter, because I would just wear a backpack, but I'm, I'm, stuck in this, like, equipment upgrade paycheck wrestling thing where I, I need to, I need some new equipment if I'm going to start commuting, and I'm, I'm mentally hung up on that as my training, mm-hmm. because if I could get that commute into my day, at least three times a week, I would be training for the century. 
because I'm like I'm just I'm in that I'm making a a thing with my gesture right now. Um, I have a a blockage. There's Eileen. You want to talk to us? <laughs> we saw half of your sticker. You saw what? We saw, I saw half of your sticker. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Yeah, likewise. What are you guys doing here? We're broadcasting, and we're just talking to everybody about what's happening in their bike world. And did you already talk to everybody downstairs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how was that?
I was talking a lot in my presentation about the organization shift, which I think is really the backbone of what these white coaches to do today. But shift wasn't always there, so I talked about how that was formed and how that sort of keeps us going as a white culture here. Oh, we have to plug in the laptop. Um, so. Well, to even back up a little bit further, do you want to share your bike story with us? You know, how how did you get started? How did you get to where you are? Well, I'm super uncoordinated. I can't ice skate. I can't roller skate. I can't skateboard. Teams to get me out. I tend to lose my balance and fall down a lot. I am not I'm not a balancing person. I'm, um, growing up, I was that awkward kid who always felt a little bit funky and like fell over and tripped and was embarrassed. But um, when I was 17 years old, I borrowed a friend's bike and we rode around town, and it was kind of cool. And then I went away to college, and that's where I really learned to ride. Growing up, I lived on a gravel driveway, busy road. I didn't really learn to ride a bike. I mean, I knew how, but it wasn't until I went to college and got on a bike and started going to classes on a bike that I actually felt comfortable enough to take one hand off the handlebar. I mean, it really it was slow. Slow learner, late bloomer, but immediately was hit with the bug. Like, this stuff is awesome. I may not be the best rider in the world, but I really like this. And so I, I kind of caught that bug. I started critical mass in my college town, and then everything was kind of, uh, in Champaign, Illinois. And then everything just kind of bloomed from there. And now I love it. And I feel like as a woman, as a person, I'm way more confident. Way, I feel, just in my own skin, I feel more confident in my body because of riding and the physicality of it and you're out there in the world, you're not hidden in a car, you got to swing your leg over the seat, you can't be super modest. And just like, I don't know, it's been, for me, it's been a really radical thing and I think it's really great for women in general because we're taught to sort of be more demure and hold our bodies back. But on a bike, you can't do that. you got to get out there, you got to own it, you got to take the lane sometimes and being assertive in your world, be confident and assertive. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think? You know, it sounds like in your story, there's sort of this breaking point of where you got to feeling like you can that radical liberation sort of came over you. Mm -hmm. What do you think is a barrier to women as they're reaching that point? What's sort of that last watershed moment? You know, I think. I don't know. I think some of it is the, the safety factor. So once they find, like, okay, I'm riding, and, oh, now I get how the streets work, and I've got my route that I take that feels good to me, then they feel that confidence level. I think it's people who accidentally get on the wrong street, and, like, freak out, they don't know what's going on. And just right. that thing that rattles you, and it takes any other confidence you have, also shuts it down because you just rattle. So I think just kind of being comfortable knowing where you're going and how, goes a long way to someone kind of stopping that next level of confidence. Yeah, I think safety is probably the number one, if I can make a big generalization from talking to people through this radio pro project, safety really is the first thing that most women will say is their yeah. number one and Janet um, McDonald from the city of Portland just gave a talk downstairs about an extensive survey they did. They were hoping for a little over 100 respondents, and they got something like 750 respondents. Wow. And they did a survey with women on all these different things, ideas, and 
what are your personal barriers and what are the questions? Um, things like weather, not enough time, and safety with the top one. Fashion, which everyone thinks, oh, we don't want to ride with someone with the hair. That was on there, but it was way lower on. So, yeah. And, and so you look at it, and what are those things that are barriers? Those are kind of universal truths that aren't really sector-related. I mean, maybe for safety, men would be less likely to think along those lines. But basically, they're just, they're just barriers to biking in general. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. We have somebody else to join us. Can we stay on the radio? <laughs> She's shaking her head. We, we might have called her out earlier because we were wondering. We've just been joined by Jennifer Cree from Upper Echelon Fitness and Rehabilitation. Um, and yeah, we've just kind of been hanging out at the museum all day talking about biking and women and what it means to be a woman on a bike and barriers to, you know, kind of feeling that, getting that bike joy. But yeah, maybe you want to introduce yourself, tell us who you are. Well, thank you. Um, I'm Jennifer Cree. Hey, Jennifer. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I just walked down here in what is Portland heat waves of what, like 90 degrees? Sweaty. Sweaty. Um, but I'm happy to be in the air museum. It's cool here. It is. It's beautiful. Yep, it's air conditioned museum. So art has finicky temperature setting, which is, I thought about that as I was writing down. I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. The art museum will be air conditioned. That's a guarantee. But it's nice. It's nice in here. It's not too cold. It's not too hot. It's not. I went into Kinko's earlier to pick up that lovely banner. And this is like a freezer. The guy doesn't want like, can I help you? Anyway, I digress. What would you like to talk about? Everything. Well, let's. Gosh, we've been all over the page today, um, but an underlying theme has been your your bike story. What? What? Here, what, here, what, here, 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 what, what got you on a bike in the first place? Oh, that one. That's, oh. that's the first story. That is a good one for me. Um, I'm a twin, and my twin sister and I. Yeah. Well, I'm also one of seven. There's two sisters. Oh, oh my! Genetic lottery. Wow. I'm fortunate enough that when we were little, my dad always bought us a bike for our birthday. Um, when we were tiny, having one of our great bikes, having more food, and then tricycles, and big wheels, and then a pink panther bike. Yeah. 
Well, next year, this has been the year of work for me. So I've been uh, not riding my bike as much. Well, and maybe we'd be admissed to ask you what's next when we didn't ask you what you did last summer. <laughs> you need to tell us about what you did last summer. Um, last summer was the Red Tour, and I rode with the team of six women, and we rode every stage of the Tour of And so today... I know of <laughs> With the crazy bus at the finish line... Oh my gosh, have you heard about that? No. Do you want to tell us the story? I didn't watch because I was sleeping this morning, but I was Twitter and everything. Apparently, a bus at the finish line got jammed there, and when I was in France and I checked out one of the races, it is just a circus. There are people everywhere, and you can't get in or out. And even though maybe it might be two or three hours of the tour is going through a section, um, it's still shut down. Okay. Like, in a town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't have cars with solar car in the street. But one of the buses, I don't know if it was like a tin yeah. bus or a tour bus, was stuck right in the finish line. And they were going to, I think, like, like, it, like a mechanical? Like it was stuck stuck? I don't know if it was a mechanical or not. I'm thinking it was like blockage from people and then and oh, they couldn't, couldn't get out. Um, so I think they were going to uh, finish three K to go, and then it was a trickier finish, and there was a lot of crashes. So a lot of the people crashed this morning. Wow. Not good. But I, I saw some treats of them later on. They all looked pretty okay. So not good to crash. That's a rough day to start stage one. Yeah, yeah, a rough day, a rough way. Yeah. Ooh, so last year, the second day, I had crashed. Here's my little wound here on my elbow. Oh, wow. Um, that's a good, what is that? That's just like about a three-inch, three, four-inch cut. Yeah, it's pretty good. Whew. But what had happened was, like, if my bike broke, no, it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with the mechanics of the bike or anything. It was just that crash. Yeah. Um, and for a week or two, there was this gaping wound. I was like, oh, <laughs> it was not good. And I was just looking at it. I couldn't even look at it because it was so old. But I know what it's like to push your body and know that um, yeah. you're stressing your immune system. And there's just not a lot of time for recovery and healing. And it's, and also, I would put sunblock on it and the road brand would be stuck in there. And you, I did see a stage of the tour when we were over there and I saw a lot of the, the riders that were kind of stuck. Um, and it was just tough. But they get they get cleaned every day and a new bandage on. But we think I have luxury, so I would put an arm warmer over because I didn't want to look at it. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think the biggest barrier is as to why you ladies there was only six of you and you wrote it, stand you know support and all that, and then here's the men a week later with their their whole show. Well, we weren't racing. We were we were with. A group tour, and in that group tour, there were 30 Dutch men and women, and Belgian men and women. Hmm. Um, so racing, there's a lot of there's a lot of differences. There's racing versus uh, touring. Um, you know, if you're going to ride from Seattle to Mexico and have your touring bike and carry all your gear with you, but you can go in Europe or even the United States and do these supported tours, and they have the routes, and it's really fun. It's, it's, I'm not going to say it's like because it's something completely different, but I've done cycle Oregon a couple times, and it's tough, and you carry stuff. Well, you don't carry it on you, but you take stuff with you from place to place, and 
you recovering enough to do it the next day? Well, I guess maybe that was a, a poor way to get to my question. Um, why is there not more women to That was really the question. It's okay. <laughs> you asked it now. Uh, I may not be the one to ask that, but I think that it, my guess would be that it's financial support. Um, the men's cycling is heavily supported by all these different companies in Europe, and it just doesn't seem like that's happening for the women's cycling. Like, um, not as fast as we want it to, but it's happening. Rio is doing the uh, zero, the zero rosa, and that's starting today, I think. I, it's, oh, it's not today. <laughs> and she did a. Um, a support page and within 24 hours people had donated enough money wow huh. that's great that's how they do it yourself I guess of course you know, we were talking to Arlene earlier about the Portland culture not the support of women very on that very small localized area it's probably eventually where it starts we have to work our way up there I suppose that's the answer have you been into the exhibit? Not yet. No, me neither. Have you been into the exhibit? Not yet. Oh, my goodness. We can't talk about psych. There we go. I popped my head in there trying to pull people out. People didn't want to leave. I'm going to go ahead and pass it now. After that. Well, the, the interesting thing is the director um, of education for the museum opened up the talk downstairs. And she said that. Stephanie Day. Yeah, yes. last, I think it was last summer they had the automobile exhibit, and it was very popular. It was like all people's cars and whatnot. But she looked at this exhibit, and it's a collection, a man's collection of bikes, bikes, and a lot of the bikes are given by men. And she thought, I don't want another man-focused, like heavy-focused exhibit, and that's why she wanted to have a forum summit on women's focused just to remind everyone, cycling and it's not just a men's right. sport. It's a men's sport. So I thought that was really nice that they asked people other intelligence. But really, it's perfect. I think it's fake. I think it's fake. Yeah, women are making waves. Making waves. So what do you think that's the biggest issue with getting women on bikes? Mm. I mean, I, we were just talking about that safety is usually, I think safety is a huge barrier for, personally, from talking to all different types of women and then looking at my, just my friends who won't ride, who won't cross that bridge. Um, as adults, we're like, you know, no, I'll buy a cruiser bike and I'll ride it on the beach path, but that's it. It's like a big mental block against riding in traffic is so scary and when do you learn how to do that? I think if you learn when you're young, you'll keep it with you. Um, it's harder for for a old dog to learn new tricks. I think there's there's an intimidation factor because a lot of and Dave and I were talking about this earlier, you know, it doesn't feel like Things are well, they're improving, but things don't necessarily feel sincere. Like you go to buy a woman's frame, and it's got like florals and pinks, and that doesn't feel like me. And then, like, 
barbed wire floral combo. It's a bad 90s tattoo <laughs> on a bike. You know, I'm not Yeah. That's a bad butterfly. Yeah. Tramp stamp on a bike. You know, that doesn't feel like me. And so then I feel like I have this extra barrier at the moment where I have to go figure out how I bring my femininity to my experience on a bike. And I think it's that extra step. And, you know, things like we're sitting next to sweet peas, we're sitting next to all day. You know, it has kind of this voice to it that has a welcoming woman present because it's sincere and still that woman with that in mind. But when you have this guy making these frames, slapping on barbed wire tattoos, it's it's not the sincere welcome that I think women are looking for. And I don't feel like that's their home. Yeah, so there's a lack of beautiful product. The marketing is by and large still done by the big brands. I mean, at least that's what we see. Not in, not mostly, I mean, not in Portland. Uh, as much as, say, in other suspect friendly towns. But I think I think it's shifting. I think we're starting to see more of it becoming available. We're adopting more of a European style of more of a sure. Well, Arlene, you talked about safety. Yeah. Okay, so, I think um, the 245 panel will say a lot about that and what that barrier is and how we get over that. And it was interesting to hear Katie Proctor, who founded Cuticle Math, mm-hmm. which focuses on getting women and families and children riding. Um, what did she say? Like totally radical up there. Like I always thought I was very cool. Kids will get family riding. She's like, we are going to change the world because you know a lot of people who have to get their kids, you know, to school or whatever, and it's primarily women. Hard for them to ride. Because that's just a lot to do. Get your kids to school, get them out to work, get them to that. She said what she has done in her research, the main thing that helps support making that happen is a sense of humanity. So having these other families without the cycle, how do you guys do this? How do you handle that? So she really believes that kids from that have given them that forum to share their stories. And they're raising the next generation of bikers. And there's little girls and little boys who are going to say, well, I grew up riding a bike like it was
two examples of what I lovingly, jokingly call the extraordinary girl next door and um, how this has become a thread through this ongoing interview project, which is another way that I encapsulate or describe Six on Bikes Radio, because at some point it's been just a podcast, at some point it's been a radio show, at some point it's been uh, me blogging, but uh, I like to call it an ongoing interview project. So in year one, I had the pretty good fortune, I think, to interview some really amazing women. I um, I interviewed some famous people like Rebecca Rush and Georgina Perry and um, noticed that there was a need for uh, for this space that I try to create in the show, which is for women to see and share and bring to the table what they're up to. It's not a feminist angle because I'll talk to men. I love men. Um, I will talk to you as long as you're kind and you love bicycles is what I say. So the, 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 the tagline for the show is we celebrate women and cycling and not necessarily in that order. So back to that first year. These two women that I'm going to talk about downstairs are Judy Wexler and Jamila Gaskin. Judy Wexler I interviewed on my third show. She's a biology student. She's about my size. I'm five feet tall. She's tiny. She had been racing five years when I talked to her. And how I found her was she had just participated in a human-powered flight experience where she, but on her own volition, her spirit and her body, lifted an ultralight helicopter bicycle hybrid off the ground. Just her. She made it happen. And um, I was just so touched by it. She was a biology student. I saw this flyer on the wall for the engineering department and doing this, you know, human-powered flight thing. And and when I talked to her, she had just, um, they had just made it happen. And now she's, I think she's in California getting a master's degree. But anyways... So that was pretty cool, talking to her, having fulfilled that. I don't even know if it was a dream. She said it was this, she calls it a very obscure bicycle experiment. But she was successful, and her her small, powerful body was able to, to lift this helicopter off the ground. And it's really cool. You can find pictures of it online and... Um, it's like this crazy contraption with lots of, uh, like, really long blades, like helicopter blades, but they're super ultralight. And it just got off the ground. He needed but she was able to do it. So, anyways, that's Judy. Um, Jamila is a triathlete, and um, I met Jamila. We were both training for triathlons together um, around a charity called Project Los Angeles, and we both have been affected by HIV and AIDS. And Jamila and I were comp- training to compete in the um, Malibu International Distance Triathlon. Which, in order to get a spot in the Malibu, like you either have to—it's like the one that Jennifer Lopez does. <laughs> 
So do you have to have, you know, like a pretty little Barbie body, or do you have to just have lots of money? Well, we were fundraising for AIDS Project Los Angeles. Okay. So we were part of a team. We raised a bunch of money to pay your race entry. The money goes to charity. So Jamila, um, she was actually one of my first, like the first time I ever pushed the record button in outside of the studio. She was one of my first interviews. Um, and Jamila is working on a project called Project One, the movie, and she will. She's fundraising now, I believe. Um, she Project One, the movie, is a tool to educate people on uh, girls, women, and HIV prevention in cities across the U.S. Um, at the time of that we knew each other, she was using the statistic of, this is a couple of years ago, um, that 280,000 women in the U.S. are affected with HIV and AIDS, and she was going to do something about that. So she's going to ride her bike um, on a circular route around the U.S. and have health fairs, if you will, and small community events educating um, people about women and empowerment, sex education for girls and um, getting to them before it's too late. So she's making a difference. And I, I, I just love both of them. And I love, you know, it's a thrill to speak to someone like Georgina Terry. And I think Rebecca Wretch is a badass. But to acknowledge that there's heroes living, you know, amongst us and all around us that are doing remarkable things either like you know with just with their bodies or with their you know creating a project that where they're really making a difference um and how all of that falls under bicycle culture is really wonderful to me and how the humble bicycle is connects all of us and we all love very different aspects of it um getting a notification on the phone oh I like you, April. That's what that's telling you. It says, yes, I love the story. I love Chick-fil-Bikes Radio. Like. Um, yeah, so that's, I'm going to share those stories with the, the audience. And I'm not really going to talk about the future. I'm going to talk about the evolution of the show and, and acknowledge that I just got here. And then I'm, bicycles are what brought me here. And then I'm happy to, to that I'm honored to be part of the Portland bicycle community, and um, I am really looking forward to being part of what's going to happen in the future. So was it the inspiration of those two women who, it sounds like, you know, you found these quiet heroes. Mm -hmm. Is that really what drew you to start the show and to do the show in terms of, like, you found your own hero or you wanted to find other people's heroes? Um, I think... Well, have the, the actual evolution of the show, it's, it's a really good question because I do, I like to to get people to tell their story, um, and if I have a, a role in that, then that's fine, um, but it's it's not a dog and pony show for me, per se, I mean, I, I um, this is never something that I thought I would be doing, ever, um, and how it came to be was, I was doing some volunteer work at a fundraiser in Los Angeles, and um, my friend Nick Richard, who is an elementary school teacher, has a show in Los Angeles, and it's called Bike Talk, and he said, and I was just working for, they were raising money for the show to buy new equipment, and 
said, oh, you should come and do, come in to the studio sometime. And I said, why don't you do Chicks on Bikes? And I'll bring some friends. So that's some really amazing friends doing some, you know, I think I do, doing some pretty cool things and um, starting businesses and movie projects. And, and he, so we did it. And it was great. And the next month he said, do you want to come back and do it again? And that's literally how it was born. So it was, it was just a one-time show, and then it turned into once a month, and then it turned into a regular once a month gig. And I've tried to maintain it as once a month. I would like to do it more, but it's because it's a creative side project for me, and there's no bottom line. Um, I can kind of do whatever I want, but it's it's a labor of love. So it's um, it's yeah, yeah. So. Very cool. Very cool. They they come to me really. I mean, I, I think of an idea and then people pop up, or I or people pop up and I craft an idea for a show around the people. Um. So yeah, you know an idea I need. I come up with my best ideas on my bike or mm-hmm. in the shower. Yeah, which are two places where I need some sort of recording thing. Oh, writing a recording things device. Down. Oh, have you seen these waterproof journals that they have at REI? That's what I need. They actually have them at Paul's Books, too. It's like an explorer adventure paper. It's like a, you know that map material, that mm-hmm. the new maps? They're kind of, you have to get a special pencil to write. Hmm. Yeah. Well, see, here's how, and this is. It's not a recording device, but it's, <laughs> it is a recording device. It's not a. Well, I'm, I need the, the handwritten. I'm old school. I have tons of journals everywhere, but. You know, that's part of my my experience and my how I use my bike is I, I'm working on an article, I'm trying to write something, and I get stuck. And, you know, I've long learned that there's no point in me just sitting there. I have to give it up, get on my bike, and it takes, you know, to the point where I'm sweaty and tired and I can let go of everything else of the day, mm-hmm. and then the ideas start coming of, oh, I should do this, and oh, I should do that. And I remember um, a couple months ago I was out on my bike, and I was over um, kind of on this highway in Washington, and I was riding around. It was beautiful, you know, views of the Columbia River Gorge peaking here and there. And I was, you know, about 30 miles out or so. And then I thought, oh, you know what I would love to have? One of my dreams, and here we can go, 2013 dreams, is to have um, lead a group of women on a backpacking trip hmm. where we can kind of take time out to explore who we are. I would love to do that. You can sign on up. <laughs> you know, I want to. I, it's just kind of that quiet time to be amongst women and talk about where we are in our fitness and our health and um, mm-hmm. explore that part and really dedicate time to that. And so I pulled over on my bike on the side of the highway. This is not the smartest move I've ever done. Mm. And I start texting people and emailing people and calling people and Facebooking people. And um, you know, I within the next 20 miles, I left my phone on, and then 20 within the next 20 miles, I had gotten approval by the footwork company that helps me do these things. I've gotten a gal who's a hike guide agree to come along. I've gotten an old friend's sister who's a wilderness guide agreed to come along. So in the span of a 60-mile ride, you know, you Mm -hmm. get this idea. We're going to get these women together. We're going to do this. 30 miles later, it's starting to get executed. So that's... Did this just happen? We're looking for August. We're looking to go on a backpacking trip in August. I love it. And where is it? Have you? Can you share some share some ideas about the? <laughs> well, we're we're trying to find you know a backpacking trip or a hike or what we're going to do. We're looking um, 
probably kind of towards either central Oregon or southeastern Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, you looking at kind of that end of August, and I've really been looking at um, how do you spark those conversations amongst women about, like, get straight to the heart of it. We don't need to talk about your dog and your kiddos. We need to get straight to the heart mm-hmm. of um, what have your struggles been, why are you here, and how can we band together to help each other through them. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Thanks to Wheels for generating that idea. Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. I love what you're up to. Well, it's all about empowerment and and breaking out of the the mold of of I guess what traditional marketing and brands would still have us believe. Although it seems to me like everybody we talked to today is really like f that. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm breaking out of those molds. We've got yeah. a mini revolution at the art museum walls today. We really do. Fun. I'm getting really nervous. Do you have any tricks pre like the magic people in their underwear tricks or? Mm. No, not really. I mean, I I do always remember the underwear thing. That was kind of what they taught us in high school, right? Like, you know that one. That one never resonated with me. Um, you can't really do it. I mean, it's, and then you're just kind of standing there, like, looking at the audience, and you're kind of blank. Because yeah. you're like, is that guy going to have a muffin top or not? Is he whitey-tighties? Is he a boxer? It's, it's just too much creativity. But, you know, in a former life, I had a job where I had to meet with lots of very important people, and I always got very nervous. Okay, and so perhaps you have a good trick this for me. Is my trick. Well, it's along the lines of underwear, but that underlying tie is I try to remember that everybody's had a very embarrassing moment in their life, mm-hmm. and I usually think of everybody's probably, you know what, everybody's probably farted in a grocery store. <laughs> and I remember this one particular meeting I had with this big fancy-ass CEO guy, and I was so nervous, and I just remembered, you know, Mr. CEO has probably had a little incident in a bad place. It's very comforting. It, it works better than an underwear trick. I highly recommend it. Okay. Sorry, I have to say goodbye to someone. So, in the grocery store. Everybody's farted in the grocery store. Right. Either quietly. So, am I supposed to imagine that before I go up there? <laughs> no, you're supposed to just remember that everybody right. in this room has done that. And yeah. It's it's going to be okay. Well, and that is what I uh, what I was thinking this morning. I would would say um, after I tell everyone my name is, um, I think it's you deflate some of the tension by acknowledging that you're nervous and just saying like it, this is really important to me. And I, you know, would probably say something like, I'm so honored to be here. I'm really nervous. Isn't it silly how we get so nervous when things are important to us? Well, I'm just honored that we're in the art museum right now. <laughs> I know, I know. We have 12 minutes left. I can't believe it's whizzed by. I wish that we could talk to Sarai. I saw her in and out and started popping around. I think we're in a bit of a lull before the next um, the next panel will be in just a minute. We have... Next panel is going to start at 2.45. So I wonder if all of these people have spoken. Um, we're probably down to the bike fit demo. The bike fit demo, right. Mm-hmm. So 
the last panel is the future, and um, we are going to hear from me, yours truly, and Courtney Gould, Ellie Blue, Megan Mosley, Deborah Leopold Hutchins, and Sky Blue. Sky Blue is doing the fashion show that yeah. Megan was talking about. Yeah. So, if we go back to our cheat sheet. Yeah, what else are what did we not get to today? I, I think, I mean, is it obvious to, to state and just acknowledge how everybody's fathers got them on their bikes? I thought that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, if your mother got you on your bike, please contact us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, my mom got me on a horse. Okay. That's that riding something. <laughs> she yeah. taught me how to drive stick shift. Well, you know, here's an interesting <laughs> dichotomy in my family. So my parents met because they were on the same team. Right. And they both were very proficient bike riders. Right. So for whatever reason. And where was it? Well, I was born in Seattle. Um, they, this is so weird. I think they met in Seattle, but they're both from Boston. I don't know why they didn't meet each other in Boston. You know, somehow Boston right. Seattle's like done. Okay. Um, so the question is, why why did my mom not teach me how to ride a bike? You know, mm-hmm. she knew how. I wonder if for some of the other people we've talked to, did mom not know how? Did mom not want to? Was it just like, is that the father daughter activity? I think, and I'm going to make make a very sexist Go statement right it. now. Um, well, what I want to say is that things are changing and that it's very easy to see those things change in a place like Portland. But, you know, 20 years, how old are you? No, let's not talk about that. All right, so let's just say 30 years ago, 40 years ago, for me it was 35, 36 37 years ago, probably, when I was learning how to ride a bike. Um, then our moms were still, like, caring for the house. Like, it was very much the fatherly thing or the uncle thing. To me, it was, it was, it was my, um, it was really my, I think I remember my uncle actually letting go of the seat on the sidewalk. Um, but, you know, Grandma was in the house making dinner. My mom was at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think things are changing, and I think that's, that's definitely the inspiration for the summit today, and why it's so exciting to talk to everyone and to acknowledge all of these change makers. Yeah, you know, I would love to find somebody. I bet we could find somebody in Portland where, because we're at that, I think we're at that role reversal plateau mm-hmm. um, where you taught mom taught how to ride the bike. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to hear that story. I'm sure we can find it. Maybe I'll ask the audience. Yeah. Did mom teach you how to ride your bike? Also, somebody touched the sweet pea again. Everybody I, wants to fondle the sweet pea. It's so cute. It's going to get grimy. That's why you're not supposed to touch art. Right. It gets fingered. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so name one influential woman in your life. What 
this my dad sharing the story of Jeannie Longo. And um, if you don't know much about her, she's probably one of the forefront old school women racers there ever has been. Um, to the point of she was racing much before her time and would sneak into men's races because there either were not women's races or she was just cleaning up astronomically. Um, was she trying to look like a man or was she like, screw you, I'm a woman with ponytail and I'm just here being... You know, I think if I... and I'm just trying to hide her sexuality. Yeah, you know, I think I'm... I don't want to get her story wrong, but from what I remember being retold, um, she had done that so many times that she was being banned from things. And so then she started trying to hide it. Like, hide who she was, and she would enter races anyway. If I get the story correct. Um, And, you know, she is... Gosh, I think now she's probably like 50... Probably late 50s, mid to late 50s, and she did 2008 with her, I think, seventh Olympics. Hi. My daughter definitely would like to come back here for school. Oh, she's speaking right now. She, oh, she's we should tell you. Um, oh yeah. Run down the stairs. You probably get down the stairs into the loft. Okay. You'll see her. You'll touch her. Well, that's nice. Oh, somebody's mom came to support them. Speaking of moms, yeah, supportive mom. That's adorable. Um, so, you know, just hearing that story about how she really persevered and didn't, and mm-hmm. said, I'm going to do this and I want to do this and that's, that's mm-hmm. it, that's how it's going, um, I always really admired that and really wish I had more um, more of that in my life. So it's always kind of the shining gold star of there's always a way around something, you can always do something, mm-hmm. and it just happened to be on a bike. So you were saying you did grow up with that with that, that dynamic of there's always you can always do it you can always make it happen yeah yeah because she was really one of my you know my that's little great. heroes that's great yeah what what about you who's your I mean you shared your two local gals but have you had a, a person throughout your life oh I've had a lot of them um, I think I have. Maybe my mother continues to be a source of, of strength and inspiration for me when I'm pretty close to her. Um, and I also have a wonderful stepmom who, my mom, actually my mom just we just bought her a, a bike. Um, she just got a public bike. She got a step through, beautiful orange bike that she rides around the neighborhood with the dog running next to her, not on the leash, off the leash. The dog can do its own thing. Um, and uh, she's a very strong, healthy woman. She's always done a lot of, of uh, not so much anymore. Now she plays golf and rides bike, but she used to do a lot of yoga. Um, so my mom, my stepmom, was a backpacker and rode a bike. My stepmom and my dad actually did the, the tandem thing, which is not my thing. I'm totally not into that. Um, but they did that for, for many years so I, when I was younger. So I got to see um, them participating in that together. And, and, um, athletes, you know, sports are interesting for me. I wasn't really athletic as a child. I was... Uh, I was really active, but I didn't play any team sports. But as an adult, sports have really saved me. 
Um, I learned how to snowboard at a really hard time in my life, um, and it really did. I'm, I, I think it really did save my life to some degree. Um, and, and the bicycle has now given me this gift of uh, of being able to create a, a this ongoing interview project that has celebrated so many wonderful stories. Um, so it would be hard for me to pick someone as an adult. There's, there are a lot, but I could just pick with my mom. Thanks. Mm-hmm. It's always the best answer, particularly around Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah. So um, here we are. We're we're almost done. Geez, we have like five minutes left. Five minutes, is that right? Three minutes. Three wow, minutes. where has the time gone? My goodness. Anybody gonna walk by? I wonder who we can who we can snag. I don't know. Hmm. Did you you did ride your bike here today? I sure did. Mm-hmm. What are you doing the rest of the day? I haven't decided. Um I might go ride my bike. Mhm. I I might go. I am um house-sitting my running partner's dog, who is the damn smartest poodle, standard poodle, the one, the big one. You'll They're ever very smart. Um, this dog knows every road that we run on. Mm-hmm. She's too rambunctious, too much energy, so we let her off leash. And mm-hmm. she'll be a couple, you know, a good chunk of distance ahead of us. We'll just yell the road we're going on. She'll turn right or left. Smartest dog I've ever met. Wow. So... My dad has a poodle, and Jack, and he's the medium size one, and he has, he will sit on a stool, jump over a pole, he will wear outfits, he's ridden in the back of a motorcycle, like in the box with it. it he's amazing, he's, but I know what you're talking about. They're very smart, very, very smart dogs. Which I didn't know until I met the dog. I mean, they're just so thrilling. Well, there's a reason they were in the circus. Oh. I I forget about their circus. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sure which came first, the chicken or the egg. The the circus. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Huh. I had no idea. Yeah. So you might go for a I might go a dog for, run. A dog run. I might go for a bike ride. This is heat. I sweat. Oh. 90 seconds. Well, on that note, um, yeah, I'm I'm sweaty too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's hot in Portland, and it's summertime. It's crazy. It's, yeah. Apparently, we've got lots going on today that you can do in Portland in summer. Um, what a great show! Thank you so much, Annie. We're we're having a awesome experience here, broadcasting live from the Portland Art Museum, part of the Psychofem Psychopedia. Yeah, it's been absolutely great. Thank you so much to the Portland Art Museum for having us. Thank you for, yeah. to all the ladies who helped organize this event. It's been Thank you, Stephanie Parrish, for inviting us in and helping us get settled into the lobby and letting us be part of this wonderful, wonderful exhibit. And thank you, Sarai, for starting Cyclofem. And thank you to all the presenters. Sorry we couldn't yeah. speak to all of you, but we got to speak to some pretty cool people. Mm-hmm.
And if you haven't checked out the exhibit, it's open until September 8th. Um, and just from the little time I spent chilling around in there, I would definitely highly recommend it. It's, it's very cool. Yeah, and I'm going to go see it, and we'll be... Okay, 10 seconds left. Here we go. All right. Goodbye, Radio Land. Goodbye, Radio Land. Enjoy your rides. Everybody be safe out there and have fun. Bye. Goodbye. Right there. <laughs>